Welcome to Is The Vision. My name is Isabella Isidoro. Thank you so much for being here. Today, I'm releasing the final episode of the first generation season. And I had a tough time finding a variety of different guests, but then I remembered a light bulb went off in my head that my uncle, uh, Marco Antonio Di Carvalho, is a professor in computer science and a researcher. And that's perfect because, you know, his family, his parents, um, didn't pursue college. He's the first in his family to get a bachelor's, master's, and then a PhD. And his story is inspirational. And when I tell you, he is the most humble person. I've known him since I was eight years old. And it was only last year when I, or when he finally revealed that he's, you know, he does research, important research. I didn't know that. I thought he was just a professor and well-regarded in his field. And truly, he wouldn't even tell me any of this if I didn't ask. I'm happy to share his story and hopefully it can inspire other people um, to pursue whatever they want. And this is also a great uh, story because it gives you know my listeners, you guys, uh, an insight into the academic world in Brazil and the similarities and differences. So yeah, stay tuned for that. So, Marco, please tell me about yourself. Well, not me, but, you know, my listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, besides being your uncle, uh, I have a PhD in computer science from 2013. And currently, I'm a professor uh, at Universidade Federal de Ouro Preto, which is a public school. And I'm a researcher as well. Mm -hmm. I conduct research on operations research which is a field of uh, combinatorial optimization. Um, what does make, that mean? Making it simpler. <laughs> <laughs> design algorithms yeah. for practical problems, like industry problems, production problems. Yeah, and from what I know, you're the first in your family to even go to college. What was that like? Yeah, that's true. Uh, my father, he studied until the fifth grade, mm -hmm. around the year 60s, I believe. And my mother, uh, she concluded the tech school of nursing school. Mm -hmm. um, and then they had two child, me and my brother. And in 2002, I was the first of my family to step in the, in the college, computer science college. Yeah, and in, in Brazil it's different because there's, you know, the federal schools, which are public, and the private schools. Um, were, were your parents nervous about you having to go to a private school and having to, you know, give so much money since, you know, you come from a poor background? How was the balancing act of pursuing college but also being worried about your financial situation? Yeah, it was really a concern. Um, you know, it was like, okay, let's get this started and we'll see what uh, will come next. Mm -hmm. But then things worked well for us. Uh, I got a scholarship, which is, is different from a scholarship uh, in the US. Mm -hmm. I received money for studying mm -hmm. because of my performance. And I also worked at the college. Mm -hmm. I was a, a tutor mm -hmm. at the TI. TA. Oh. IT. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the IT department. Yeah. 
on the IT labs. Oh, okay. And then uh, I believe a few months after uh, I joined the university, the, the college, I didn't pay uh, for study anymore. Mm-hmm. And then later, uh, I got another scholarship mm-hmm. uh, for researching, mm-hmm. which uh, was good because of the money, you know, and also it helped me shape my future. Yeah. And what drew you to computer science? Because, you know, I, I know where you're from. I've lived there a little bit. And computer science does not seem like it's a big thing in our small town. So yeah. how did you even find computer science? Did you always like science? Yeah. Uh, I was raised countryside in mm-hmm. Gerais, Brazil, and I always liked studying, mm-hmm. first of all. I've always liked math, uh, physics, and I always liked tech as well. Mm-hmm. And I got a computer that was around uh, 15 years old. You, you know, I was, I'm talking about the 90s, <laughs> so there were no broadband there were no cell phones and mm-hmm. um, there were even even a dialed up internet oh wow it was hard to to get so coding wasn't uh, really a big thing back then <laughs> yeah it was not so popular countryside <laughs> and i fell in love when i when i got that computer and i always liked uh, video games as well mm-hmm. and i felt like Oh, there's something in here for me. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a friend who was older and he started uh, the computer science course on a college near our city. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, man, it's so cool. You, you should try it. You, mm-hmm. you, you have what is needed to, to take the course. Mm-hmm. Why don't you think about it? And I really thought about it. And when it came the time to decide what to do, I knew uh, what to do. Mm-hmm. Except for I didn't know what I would uh, face <laughs> in the course. I didn't know exactly what it was. Yeah. But I liked computers. I liked tech. Mm-hmm. And I was fascinated about programming. Mm-hmm. Although I didn't program at that time. Mm-hmm. So I, I chose it. Yeah, it seems like there was a marriage between your passion and your work ethic. And you found your place um, at your college with, you know, tutoring and doing research, Um, you know, and after getting your bachelor's degree, you got your master's and then your um, PhD. Who do you think was a, who made a big impact during that time? Uh, Who would you say was your mentor during that time? I had the fortune to meet some really nice people. And one of them, at the first day at college, Mm -hmm. his name was Andre Mm -hmm. or Andre, <laughs> and he, he took the care mm-hmm. to interview every and each student which was enrolled at that time. At, at the day, the first the, day, the, yeah, the first day of enrollment, mm-hmm. he was like, Hey, after that, you come to my office and we'll talk a little about what are your expectations and everything else. And then I remember to this day of that interview, he asked me why I was there. Mm-hmm. what I was expecting of the university and he was also uh, a professor at the first term of the university he taught programming mm-hmm. <laughs> he was the the coach of the programming team mm-hmm. for for programming challenges gotcha and after a, a couple of months 
Mount mm-hmm. Navy. Uh, that was the first challenge of programming the nationwide. Yeah. He said, hey, you should take part of that. But let's get some practice. I know you're rather young, but mm-hmm. you should try it. I thought, okay, okay, let's let's do it. So me and my friends, we took part as uh, at the challenge, and um, it was awarded medals mm-hmm. like Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. But for people, computer nerds, yeah, <laughs> some of them uh, got gold medals. Many people got many pe- uh, gold medals. Others mm-hmm. silver medals. And then that was uh, and it's strange. I don't remember well well right now. But that wo- there was um, a tiebreaker, mm-hmm. which was not so good. I don't remember. It was not really fair. Mm-hmm. And I lost the bronze medal oh, on the man. tiebreaker. I was a little bit down. Mm-hmm. And each, each institution mm-hmm. got its medals mm-hmm. and made it one its own uh, award mm-hmm. or its own ceremony yeah what about your then, school then my friends one one friend of mine one good friend of mine got uh, a silver medal mm-hmm. other one got uh, a bronze medal and i was like okay congratulations guys <laughs> but then uh, i got a letter mm-hmm. as a prize saying no you're so young don't worry about that the future is bright uh, keep on going and that was cool I, I have that that letter to this day Aww, that's really <laughs> nice so your your um so andre's words made an impact and then he, he like invested in you he believed in your potential yeah that's uh, incredible more than me and later uh, i got to participate on on worldwide mm-hmm. challenges programming challenges mm-hmm. and i made it to the south american phase oh wow uh, maybe one year later, something like that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. How did you decide to go into research? Because, you know, a lot of people go into tech or, you know, the workforce, but you decided to pursue a master's and then a PhD, and now you, you still conduct research, although you are a professor. How did you decide that? What drew you from one, one place to another? Well, I, I really liked programming, mm-hmm. and then Andre again. <laughs> <laughs> He offered me the, the scholarship for uh, something we call scientific initi- initiation. Mm-hmm. Initiation. Initiation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you used some terms in the US. It's like uh, a junior researcher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he taught me uh, what it is to be uh, a young researcher, how to start things. And then again, I fell in love for that. And I said, I don't want to be a professional programmer. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Uh, I felt like it would be boring. Mm-hmm. Just construct code all day for something that uh, maybe it was not that interesting. Gotcha. But if I can come up with my own ideas mm-hmm. to solve the problems I pick, mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a lot more fun, mm-hmm. and I discovered I got a, a thing for that. Yeah. A few, uh, few, few years later, I discovered I'm good at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And ha- um, to be a, a researcher, do you have to be a professor, or did you choose to also be a professor and an advisor to many students? I never chose to be a professor. Mm-hmm. The, it was almost by chance. 
Mm-hmm. I was at my first year pursuing the, the PhD. Mm-hmm. And then my, my supervisor at that time, that's another person who inspired me mm-hmm. uh, on my life. He uh, took part on the evaluation board mm-hmm. for a public call for a professor. Mm-hmm. I was living in Sao Paulo at mm-hmm. that time. And he came to Minas Gerais, to Ouro Preto, to take part in that evaluation board for selecting new professors. Mm-hmm. For the school that you're currently at. Yeah. And then no one was selected. Mm-hmm. No uh, one was good enough. But at, at that time, uh, there was a PhD requirement. Oh, okay. So they found no one. And then it came to a, a master's requirement. So they lowered their standards. Yeah, because they needed professors uh-huh. and there were no one with a PhD who fit the, the spot. And then he came back to Sao Paulo and told me, Marco, I know your family lives in Minas Gerais. Mm-hmm. There's a nice place for working. It's a young department, computer science department. And I don't know if you ever thought about it, but you should give it a try. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Maybe uh, it would be good for you. I believe it's a nice place for working. And should I uh, have your age in the same situation, I would go for it mm-hmm. without blinking an eye. Mm-hmm. And I say, I never thought about it. I'm first year of the PhD. Uh, I have something else to worry. <laughs> <laughs> How long is it gonna take for the next round of selections? He said, uh, maybe three months. Oh, wow. I, I said the same. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you only had three months to prepare for yeah, the selection said, process. And he said, which for me was uh, incredible. He said, stop everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. Stop pursuing your PhD for three months and go for it if you want to. I said, well, Think about it. <laughs> and he was your advisor? Yes. He okay, was. okay. So he, he had the liberty to like tell you to hey stop. Like you yeah, won't be usually, you won't be penalized. Usually it, it doesn't happen. Uh, yeah. No one will say stop doing what you're doing. Gotcha. Because it's so important. You can't just stop uh-huh. and say stop what you're doing for three months and go for it. Mm-hmm. And I did it. And it worked. <laughs> <laughs> So with one year of PhD, I left Sao Paulo and came to Ouro Preto to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, I entered the tenure track. Mm -hmm. It's a three-year probation phase. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the probation phase, I ended my my PhD. So you were doing a PhD remotely? Yeah, because it was uh, also a coincidence. Mm -hmm. There were some requirements uh, that you should meet for for, uh, concluding the PhD. Mm-hmm. And in the first year, I had all the requirements completed. Mm-hmm. Oh, because so, was your master's program in the same school? Yeah, same school. Oh, okay, so that helped, yeah. A little bit, because you have to, to publish papers mm-hmm. uh, during the PhD. Mm-hmm. You have to take uh, language tests. Mm-hmm. You have to, um, to conclude credits mm-hmm. on, on disciplines. And I had it all mm-hmm. at, the f- at the end of the first year. Mm-hmm. The, the, the test for professor was in the middle of 2010. Mm-hmm. And I had until the end of 2010 to uh, complete all the requirements. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I could that, do that. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, you're free to be... Again, my advisor, Professor Ney, said, you're good to go, you're all set. <laughs> 
see you in some months. Yeah. Good luck for you. Congratulations. Wow. <laughs> what was what was that like, you know, getting I guess the accepted into the position? How did you come to that decision that you actually were going to pursue it and, you know, leave behind São Paulo and, you know, relocate to Ouro Preto? How was how was making that decision? Ah, that that was something uh, of uh, it's more, it was hard mm -hmm. for me because I had no plans about it mm -hmm. at first. But uh, I thought of my family who lives here, your aunt's family, mm -hmm. who were my girlfriend uh, at that time, also lived here. Mm -hmm. Even though it's like four four or five hours away. Oh, but still it's, better, still yeah, better than São Paulo. Uh, Brazil is a large country. São yeah. Paulo is far away. And I said, well, it looks like uh, it's a promising position, mm -hmm. but I have to complete my PhD. Maybe it's too much. Mm -hmm. Then I said, oh, let's give it a try. Mm -hmm. And I did it. It worked out yeah. well again. Long story short, you're still at the same um, school with a tenure track. You already. Yeah. Like, so I was I was 26 years old at that time. That's so young. <laughs> oh my. So so you weren't in a you weren't like an assistant professor. You were the professor. No no. After the three year probation, yeah. uh, I became the professor. Okay. At first, we don't have the TA uh, figure in mm -hmm. Brazil. Mm -hmm. We have the same word. It's mm -hmm. assistant. Mm -hmm. But you're not. Uh, Related to another professor mm -hmm. who's overseeing everything okay. you do, yeah, you you have more freedom. Yeah, but you're not a professor okay. as well. After three years of evaluation, then mm -hmm. I got my tenure track completed. Gotcha. And what advice do you have for other first generation people that are you know in the computer science field, but also people um, that are not? What would you say is a big piece of advice? Yeah, when I started at the university as a uh, a probation professor. Mm -hmm. I taught le I taught lectures at the first term mm -hmm. to freshmen, mm -hmm. and they were all so young. Uh, I saw myself; they didn't really know what were, they were doing there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what I just expect? Yeah. And I said I was twenty six years old. I wasn't so more yeah, so you, much more older. Yeah, than you them. weren't. No. I had students who were older than me, um, and I said, "Hey." Uh, I'm not so far away from from what are you doing now and uh, things may look hard sometimes mm -hmm. you may feel lost sometimes but keep on going mm -hmm. uh, work hard mm -hmm. always work hard and the future is bright yeah things work out yeah I think that applies well to all every single field especially like people that don't have family or friends to look up to who are in that field, they, they kind of need to make their own path. Yeah. I think being consistent and persistent is definitely important. Yeah, and more than that, break the cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone has a different background, uh, but some students have a, a tough uh, histories, uh, tough background, tough, backgrounds. Tough backgrounds, uh-huh. Yeah, and one motivation to keep going and face the difficulties is break the cycle mm -hmm. if you're stuck uh, family wise mm -hmm. or uh, any other related situation mm -hmm. you can break the cycle and i believe education yeah. no matter uh, computer science uh, 
whatever you're really into, mm -hmm. uh, it can really help you break the cycle. Yeah. I think especially when you were going through college, um, the way Brazil does college really helped. Like if you are from a poor background, you can, you know, take the um, like the SATs in Brazil. And as long as you score well enough, you can, you know, have school paid for a big portion of school. Um, so I think that really helped people break the cycle. Now I think it might be a little different, but that must have been nice. Man, it, it's, that uh, option? Somehow, it's somehow different, but it kept its essence. Mm -hmm. uh, you have public, public schools. Which are really highly regarded. Like they're super public competitive. Schools are are more competitive than yeah. private schools in general. Mm -hmm. There are exceptions, but in general, that's the rule. And there are several policies mm -hmm. for, uh, especially uh, poor students mm -hmm. or in some kind of fragile situation, mm -hmm. to keep them at the university mm -hmm. studying. Mm -hmm. And well, many different ways of helping. Mm -hmm. And I think that's cool. Yeah, I, really cool. I think America is like slowly getting there. I don't think we're ever going to have like free college because in Brazil, federal, they, they have the reputation of being, you know, free for students. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you won't you won't find that in America other than you know, like a full tuition scholarship. But anyway, oh, were you going to say something? Go ahead. You can come to Brazil no. <laughs> <laughs> and study for free in Brazilian universities. Yeah. That applies for Americans and everyone else. Yeah, um, you were telling me um, people from, you know, developing nations, you know, if they can apply and, you know, get that same privilege as long as, you know, they they go to school here, do well, and, you know, go back to their country. But that helps break the cycle. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so this is a question that I ask all of my guests. What is your vision for the future? You can take that any way you like, personally, professionally, uh, in your family, or, you know, in a world sense. So, yeah, what is your vision for the future? Uh, I think the future is bright. We have, we have some problems. Mm -hmm. We'll have new problems. But uh, the overall uh, sight is optimistic. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we won't get uh, where we want to get. Mm -hmm. as fast as we want mm -hmm. but we'll keep on going uh, even though a bit slowly but uh, we'll get uh, we'll keep evolving mm -hmm. I believe mm -hmm. especially uh, in my field of research mm -hmm. uh, about algorithms uh, people sometimes think that AI is gonna take over the world yeah. and everything else that won't happen probably <laughs> <laughs> But it will help us uh, get better as a civilization, you mm -hmm. know. It will bring some more other problems, new problems we'll have to face. We're doing it right now. Mm -hmm. But I believe the future is bright and mm -hmm. things will get better and better. Mm -hmm. Sometimes slowly, mm -hmm. but we'll get better. Very Hope good. So. Uh, do you have any socials or organizations or groups you want to bring awareness to? It can even be like a band that you like, anything really. <laughs> Or or our Instagram or friends work that you want to highlight. I actually, uh, I would like to um, to promote Ouro Preto in Minas Gerais state. Minas Gerais is a, one of the biggest states of Brazil. Mm -hmm. It's regarded as the Brazilian highlands. Mm -hmm. uh, I was born in São Paulo, but uh, I adopted Minas Gerais. It's a beautiful place, great food, nice people. I think it's nice. Uh, for travel mm -hmm. and especially Ouro Preto 
or Repreto, <laughs> uh, which is one of the oldest cities in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys should check it uh, at Instagram mm-hmm. or other social media. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice place to visit, lots of history. And I also, I didn't know mm-hmm. Ouro Preto when I first came and I fell in love with Ouro Preto as well. It's a lovely city. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, Marco. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for listening until the end. If you enjoy this episode, please give this podcast five stars, leave a nice review, and follow Isavision on Instagram at I-S-A-V-I-S-I-O-N underscore. Thank you and have a good one. Thank you.